Just what I talked about the other day in Detroit, we're going to try things second part of the year here because you never know what you're going to run into the playoffs and I don't want to be adjusting for the first time um, when we get to playoffs and it's that important. Hello, welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster, as well as the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey West Regional Championship. We'll get into that in a second, but I'm your host, JJ Jerez, as always, Arif Dean with me and Patrick Stedman making us sound good and, and, you know, working us on the controls. We're here to get into some avalanche hockey. There you had Jared Bednar talking about some of the different options that he's going to be using throughout the rest of the season. But it's not really affected much, Arif, is it? it we're, we got wins on wins on wins to talk about. I mean, three games since our last podcast and three wins. So um, it's been fun. The, the, I think the unique thing about these three wins is they've been three completely different wins, right? You had uh, right out of the gate win with Detroit. Never really looked back on that one. A come from behind, down three goals in the first period to, get, to go with six unanswered against Winnipeg. And then a grinded out, really had to fight, you know, Vegas style hockey and a winning one in VGK. So how are you doing, Arif? I know you just got back from your trip to Detroit a few days ago. How was that? And uh, yeah, just how are you? Ooh, 67 seconds before Arif gets to speak. That is a new record. Congratulations, no, no, JJ. No. I had long ones lately. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't keep track of all of them, but uh, it's getting me to shut up for the next hour is going to be the trick. Um, so good luck with that. But yeah, I don't want it. I don't want it. You talk. Talk away. <laughs> let's let's put on You're a like, show I, for these people. I do Here the intro are. and you do the rest. That's it. JJ's <laughs> like, I did my part. The rest is on you. I no, bring the, us in and I take us out. <laughs> the and, and don't forget the ad reads. That's all you, buddy. Oh, yeah. I um, yeah. So the Avalanche look incredible right now. And I think the the most impressive thing about this team is they are so good and they are so comfortable with where they're at that they're completely fine with trying new things and experimenting with the lineup. Hey, you want to put Burakovsky on the top line and snap a goalless drought? Let's do it. You want to sit Nathan McKinnon for a day because of a precautionary injury? Sure, that's fine. Abi Kubel's out of the lineup. Tyson Jose's out of the lineup. They're coming back in. We're still playing McDermott. They're doing all these different things because they can. And I think that's the most progressive thing I've seen Jared Bednar do in his time as an avalanche coach is, hey, I, I have the time and I have the space and I have the comfortability with where I am in the standings to do these things. So why not experiment a little bit? Why not be a little progressive and have different options going into the playoffs and it paid dividends? Here we are now. Andre Burakovsky's on the top line. He scores a couple of goals in two games and the avalanche win all three since that loss in Boston. Yeah, it's called luxury, Arif, right? When you can ha have some nice things and get to kind of flaunt them around, that's exactly what Bednar is doing. And that's the most impressive part about this is even with the experimentation and even with the juggling around, maybe even sitting a player, we'll get into that uh, here in a second, but sitting your star player in Nathan McKinnon for a game, it's still working out. They're still coming out with these victories. Not only that, they're coming out with very, I guess, statement-like victories, right? Yes. That was a big win against Detroit, a big win against Winnipeg, and just a needed win against Vegas on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. Uh, everything about the way that they handled all three of those games was, was impressive. I mean, look, the reality is you're not always going to play a full 60 minutes. And I think one of the things that 
people, you know, fans of really good teams like the Avalanche are right now, what they often do is try to nitpick the things that aren't going well. And that's fine because as a fan, you want and you expect perfection. I think I've mentioned this before, but if you look back at the Tampa Bay Lightning of last year and the and the team from two years ago, you know, the, the two back-to-back cup champs, there was a lot of things wrong with that team that were masked by the guy in net. Andre Vasilevsky covered up a lot of issues that that team had defensively with their breakdowns, with how many turnovers they would have, how many shots against high danger and high quality shots against. But on the outside, you know, it's, it's really hard to watch all 32 teams. And on the outside, when you're an avalanche fan and you're covering this team and you're so fixated on the team in Denver, you don't watch 82 Tampa Bay lightning games. You just look from afar and see all these victories and Stanley cup parades and think they are perfect. But the reality is nobody is. And the Avalanche are not perfect by any means. And in a salary cap world, it's it's pretty much impossible to be so. So for them to come out in these three games in three different ways, two of them have come from behind, one of them a three-goal deficit that at no point did it feel like a three-goal deficit where the game was over. Like at no point did that game feel like Winnipeg had it in the bag is impressive in itself. I think you could look at a couple players in these last few games. Uh, Devon Taves really sticks out in my mind as kind of showing his human side a little bit more in these last few matchups, right? It, it, like you're saying, he's not perfect. He's going to have some flaws, but that's the game of hockey, right? He, he had a couple errors here and there that cost the Avalanche a couple goals. I think two of them ring a bell right mm-hmm. now in the last three games Correct. off of Devon Taves' blunders, but he still comes out and he, and he, he picks himself up by the bootstraps and uh, you know resurrects things and, and plays the way he needs to and just puts it behind him because that's that's gonna happen right hockey's too fast to completely play the game perfectly but when they're just winning and winning and winning you got to find something to nitpick at Arif and that's where I kind of want to get into what you touched on there at the beginning of your little rant is the uh, 60 minute concept right there are going to be games where they don't play a full 60 minutes but it really feels like it's becoming a habit we saw it in two of these last three games you can't say they did that in Detroit because they really you know put their foot on the gas from the get-go, recovering from that Boston loss just like we thought they would. But you look at the Winnipeg game, rough first period. Not that they got outplayed, just the outcome was ugly. And then it, with Vegas, right, they they were down 8 or 9-1 to one in shots when Vegas scored their first goal. So, again, not a, not a pretty first period out of the avalanche there in Las Vegas, and they, it, you saw it, right? They really felt like they were on their heels and hemmed in their own zone. I think the best part about that Vegas game is the fact that what happened early, and I even texted you, you know, as soon as this happened, is what the Avalanche did really well a few weeks ago, the first time they played Vegas and that Jack Eichel debut was they suffocated the offense out of them. The Avalanche played this team in the playoffs last year. We saw what happens as soon as Vegas gets a goal at T-Mobile Arena. Once they get one, they're getting another and another and another. And it's impossible to quiet that crowd down and and get this team to kind of sit back after they've, you know, felt the energy of scoring that first goal. So what we saw against the Golden Knights on Saturday was Vegas got one. The Avalanche responded. Vegas got a second and it just felt like, oh boy, they're going to they're gonna pour it on. This feels like the playoffs again. The Avalanche score and take a one nothing lead in game six while suddenly they're trailing by multiple goals. Like it just, it piles on. But the Avs calmed things down. They, you know, held their own in the first period. And by they, I mean the guy in goal, number 35. Darcy Kemper held his own to close out the first period down a goal. And then they go into the second period. A whole lot of nothing happens in the second period. But the cool thing about a whole lot of nothing happening in the second period is not only does it mean the Avalanche didn't score, 
but it means the Golden Knights couldn't get another one. And then you go into the third period down a goal and all it took was 26 seconds of coming to life. It reminded me of that game that they had against the Golden Knights last year where they scored two goals pretty quickly to, you know, win two to one and, you know, pretty much take the president's trophy from the Golden Knights. And, and that was kind of something similar. They needed 26 seconds and an incredible release from Nathan McKinnon to put that game away and to take that three to two lead and then shut her down from there. So the fact that they were able to not only shut down Vegas for the second time in as many weeks or whatever it was in three weeks, but they were able to do it after Vegas started to get that life early. That's the kind of stuff they were unable to do in the playoffs last year. And they did it this time. Yeah, it's no secret that Vegas is unique to Colorado, right? They seem to be the one of the few teams that knows how to slow them down a little bit more. I mean, the Avalanche only had 21 shots on goal in that Vegas game, as opposed to the 42 that they put on Winnipeg and the 31 against Detroit. So it, the, the ability to pers- persevere and really dig deep while Vegas is kind of taking you off your game a little bit, or at least just what you're used to with the speed and, and multiple shots, I mean... We're going to get into a second, but when Nathan McKinnon has 14 shots on goal on Connor Hellebuck, hmm. right? That's obviously two completely di- different defenses he's facing when it's a, you know, Winnipeg versus the Knights. How fun was that Nathan McKinnon showing? Like, seriously? No. Yeah, it, it was awesome, right? Especially because, you know, he missed the game in Detroit and comes back in and he, he's actually buzzing. I don't know if you knew this, but he's got five goals. In his last four games, which is great because here's something that I kind of realized when looking at Nathan McKinnon's stats over the last three seasons, 1920, 2021, and this year, he's got 70 goals in regulation. 35 of them came in that first season in 69 games before COVID shut it down. And the other 35 came between last year and this year combined. So basically what I'm getting at is Nathan McKinnon's not scoring at the same clip he was pre-COVID in the regular season. He played 69 games to get 35 goals in 1920. He's played 86 games over the last two seasons to get six, to get the same 35 goals. He's not scoring as much as he was pre-COVID. But what we saw the last two games was that dominant force, that guy that you see in the playoffs, that guy that we saw for two or three consecutive seasons that was in the Hart Trophy race every single year where he's on the puck. Every single time he gets the puck, you know he's going to do something with it and he's going to put it on net. He's going to take high danger opportunities and shoot the puck more than the guy that passes it and just kind of waits until the playoffs to explode, which, you know, by, by all means, like it's fine. I like to compare Nathan McKinnon to, you know, the NBA version of him would be someone like Kawhi Leonard that, you know, kind of chills out a little bit in the regular season and then come playoff time, it's my time to shine. And that's the kind of thing you see from Nathan McKinnon, but to see him come back these last few games, these last couple, I should say, and explode the way he has after taking a night off in Detroit, which by the way, I do want to get to is is refreshing this is the guy that we 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 know and love this is the guy that avalanche fans fell in love with in 2017-18 up until today i mean let's look back earlier this season right there was a moment in time where you and i looked back and said wow nathan mckinnon has a point in every single game so far this year except one that one was columbus where he was, he's just loading up on assists and loading up on assists. Right now, he's only got seven games this season where he doesn't have a point. Crazy. But that's the difference. That's the shift we're kind of seeing. He was very assist-heavy throughout the entirety of the first half. 
And now you're seeing him shoot the puck 14 times in a game. And like I said, he's got five goals in his last four games, and he has zero assists in that time. So, uh, you know, obviously a, a mindset shift from him and just a, a difference in the way he's trying to play, but either one is effective apparently. Yeah, over the last six weeks in 19 games, Gabriel Landeskog has 14 goals and only five assists. And over the last four games, Nathan McKinnon's got five goals and zero assists. So apparently Miko Rantanen or, or whoever's on that line, Andre Burakovsky, these are the guys that are your playmakers now because McKinnon and Landeskog just want to score all the goals. And I think that's awesome. Like these are these are guys that can put the puck in the back of the net and they show that when they want to do it, they can do it, even if it's in the middle of the regular season. Like the beauty of hockey in February and hockey in January is it's that lull, you know, games 45 to 60 are just like, ugh, we're, you know, we talked about this before. It's in the middle of the season. It's, we're so far away from the start line, but we're also so far away from the finish line and the trade deadline. It's how many people really truly give a shit about the hockey right now. But what the avalanche are doing is those different options. They're bringing Burakovsky in. They're sitting guys like Jost and Abi Kubel. They're experimenting different things. Jared Bednar is being progressive. He's challenging his top guys to do more and be more. And hey, we'll reward you with a night off. You know, it's just a precautionary injury. Everybody's always dinged up, right? So we'll sit you for a game and then you can come back for a back-to-back and just unleash hell. Uh, I feel like I'm throwing a lot of stats out there, but it kind of goes along with what you were saying with Miko Ranton. And I don't know, um, if you've noticed this, but we haven't seen him score a goal since that Buffalo game. But what he has been doing is just mounting up assists himself. Like we're saying, Nathan McKinnon now seems to be this goal scorer, and he's shooting left and right. Well, in the last three games, Mikko Rantanen has accumulated six assists, and he's got 10 points um, in the last five. So, you know, Mikko Rantanen's been quiet, but he's still out there producing. With that, Kale McCarr has five assists in his last three games and 12 points in in last eight, both of those are streaks. So Miko Rantanen on a five point or a five game, 10 point streak, Kale McCarr on an eight game, 12 point streak here. Yeah. I believe Kale McCarr is one game away from John Michael Lyles's franchise record for nine consecutive games with an assist. So, you know, if there's a record for a defenseman on this franchise, Kale McCarr is going to take them all. So I feel bad for Tyson Berry and John Michael Lyles and, and even Adam Foote and all the like, and, you know, all the greats and with the Jeff Nordiques, I think Jeff Brown is one of them that has a lot of records. Number eight is going to demolish all of those pretty quick. You made me laugh there. Sorry, you said Jeff Nordiques <laughs> instead of Quebec Nordiques because you said Jeff Brown and you just kind of mixed them together and said Jeff Nordiques. Sorry, made me giggle a little bit. Uh, but yeah, let's get into the uh, Nathan McKinnon possible load management here. But first, I got to tell you guys about the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey West Regional Championship hosted by the University of Denver. And it's going to be at the Budweiser Event Center located on the ranch campus in Loveland. This is what's fun about it, guys. There's going to be two semifinal games on Thursday, March 24th. You need one ticket to get into both of those games. So that's awesome. A little two for one deal. Then there's a championship game on Saturday. March 26th, that's going to be an afternoon game. There's going to be two-day packages available as well as the single-day tickets available. So if you want to go to both days, you want to see all three games, you want to see it all, you can. You just want to catch one game here and there. You can do that just as easily. The winner of the regional actually goes to the Frozen Four in Boston. That's going to be April 7th and 9th. So really important 
uh, tournament here coming up, and Denver Hockey is actually ranked number three currently, and all but certain will play in the Loveland action. This is going to be the second year that they're actually hosting it, but last year, of course, they had no fans, so technically it's the first time, and this is going to be so fun to have this here locally and, you know, in a smaller you know, for, for college, it's a bigger rink. For NHL players, it's a smaller rink. And for, you know, fans that are used to watching the NHL game, it's definitely a smaller, more intimate setting. So it could definitely be a lot of fun. Current projections of the four teams playing in Loveland are going to be North Dakota, Notre Dame, Denver, BU, as in Boston University. So those four are historically pretty good teams. Sounds like a lot of fun. So multiple hotels within range of the rink, walking distance, and there's a lot of bars, restaurants. You know, you can have so much fun up there and make a little weekend. So check out the Men's NCAA Ice Hockey West Regional Championship sponsored by DU. It's going to be up in Loveland at the Budweiser Event Center. Can't wait for that. That's going to be fun. That's going to be so much fun. That is going to be an incredible amount of great hockey to watch. I love the college hockey game nowadays, and I think this is the kind of event that Colorado deserves, man. You know, the the hockey community around here is growing, and this is exactly the type of thing that we should be seeing more of in the Denver and Colorado area. Yeah, and uh, luckily for us, the the Avalanche have those nights off, right? So March 24th, we can head up there to Loveland, and March 26th, we can be up there as well because on March 25th, we'll be at Ball Arena. I sense you'll see a lot of those guys, a lot of Avalanche players there too. Logan O'Connor went to DU, and I know a few of those guys played in some of those schools. So I sense you'll see quite a few Avalanche players hanging out in the crowd or hanging out in you know the boxes at the Budweiser Event Center watching those games, and it's going to be fun. No doubt. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, trash talking within the group too, right? They love that, especially the guys who did play NCAA. They love to chirp each other yep. about each other's NCAA. I remember Ian Cole wouldn't, wouldn't leave JT oh Comfort alone about it. He wouldn't shut up about it. He wouldn't leave me alone about it, too, because he is from Ann Arbor, but he played at Notre Dame, and he just would not let Michigan or anybody that went to Michigan hear the end of it. And every single time I'd walk into the locker room with my, you know, my big parka jacket that I wear in, like, the cold winter days, it's a Michigan jacket. It's got the M. It's kind of like that big blue puffy jacket you see, like, Jim Harbaugh wearing on the sideline. And I don't necessarily always wear it to rep Michigan. I wear it because it's my most comfortable and warm jacket. So pre-COVID, when I used to walk into the locker room with that, not a word of a lie. Every single time Ian Cole would just look at me and be like, that's a stupid fucking jacket as I walk by. <laughs> like, every, I could be interviewing, like, Nazem cadre for something and he just walked by me and be like that's a stupid fucking jacket <laughs> he just he would not let me or jt or even you know lauren jabara who went to michigan hear the end of it yeah ian cole was a fun guy but let's get into nathan mckinnon as we know he missed that game in detroit and it was kind of a, a surprise to us right it was everybody who was at morning skate including you who was covering the game in detroit suddenly said, wait, Nathan McKinnon's not here. Where's Nathan McKinnon? You hear from Jared Benar later that uh, it, not so much that he's giving him a break, but just that there's a he's going to have the night off, lower body injury. That's all that was really said. But you know mm-hmm. us here at Hockey Mountain High. We love to overanalyze. We love to speculate, and we love to try to read between the lines. We can see into the brain of Jared Benner. That's what we do here at Hockey Mountain High. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have a theory. So Jared Bednar, I asked him about this after the game against Winnipeg when Nathan McKinnon returned, scored two goals, had 14 shots, and just was explosive all over the ice. My theory is NHL teams want to start doing that thing that NBA teams do, you know, that load management thing, but they don't want to admit 
that it's load management. They don't want to use that phrase because let's face it, when we hear the word load management, LeBron James is taking the day off for load management. Ah, that loser. What a wuss. How dare he sit for a game? Like, you know, it's, it's the hockey mentality. We play injured. We play dinged up. It's what we do. So this is an NHL coach's way of managing the load of his star players without actually saying that he's managing the load of his star players. That's the way that I see it. So I asked Jared about it and here was his response. It just depends. We listen to the player, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like we're not trying to play injured players in the position that we're at, um, being injured, um, and just having bumps and bruises and playing hurt. Everyone's playing hurt, you know, but if you're, if, if you're actually an injured player and you don't feel like you can give it your all and help our team win, then we encourage our guys to be open with it. And then we'll find a, a different solution or a different player if we have to put somebody in. And we're kind of like that all the time. And basically what he mentioned right now is exactly what I'm trying to get at. It's we don't like to play guys that are injured. And then he mentioned something along the lines, I believe, of... Um, guys are always dinged up. You're always a little bit dinged up. You're always kind of hurt, but you know, we kind of want to encourage guys to be a little more forward with the injuries that they're dealing with and tell us when they can't give it their all. Well, when the playoffs come around, there's no way in hell Nathan McKinnon's ever going to go up to Jared Benner and be like, Hey, I'm kind of my elbows a little like my elbow. When I move to the right, it kind of hurts. Can I sit game six? He's going to be like, just shut the hell up. You're playing and you're playing 25 minutes. No. And Nathan McKinnon wouldn't even ask, but regular season game 51, 52, 53, you're the best team in the NHL about to defend the president's trophy, the Western conference lead. You're 12 points up on the next team in the central division. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's sit you for a game. How about that? And we'll sit you against the Red Wings, which we haven't lost to since 2017. Jared Bednar is, I believe, 7-0 and or 8-0 and now in his last seven or eight games against the Red Wings. He's lost only one to them, and it was the last one at the Joe since he became the coach. And yeah, we'll sit you for this one. We'll win without you. We beat Tampa Bay without you. We can beat Detroit without you. And they did. And, you know, handily, like the Red Wings really didn't have a chance in that game. And then we'll bring you back against the division opponent and against Vegas on back-to-back nights, and you'll score three goals and just be a dominant force. Again, it goes back to those different options. When you're this good, when you're this comfortable in the standings, you can fiddle with your lineup. You can try different combinations, adjust and be ready for the playoffs. But you can also sit guys that maybe need to sit, maybe need to rest a little bit. Kel McCarr, if you're hurting a little bit before the playoffs, especially given his injury history since he entered the NHL, yeah, we'll sit you for three or four games. It's not going to cost you the Norris Trophy. Everybody's already raving over how great you are. Gabe Landeskog, hey, same thing. You like to go rough and tumble with everybody. You're a bit of a bully. Let's sit you for a couple of games before the playoffs. It's it's really, really refreshing to see the way Jared Bednar's handling this season. We've talked about it before, and, and we're seeing it before our very eyes. This guy is learning from his past experiences. He's been outcoached by Rick Bonus. He's been outcoached by Pete DeBoer on two occasions. And now he's going into the playoffs saying, I'm not letting that shit happen again. I don't care if I see Pete DeBoer, Daryl Sutter, Craig Berube, who I swept last year, uh, Dean Evison from Minnesota. Bring it. Whoever you guys are, bring it. I'm ready. I like it. I subscribe to your theory for sure. I think there's one difference here with the NBA concept, right? I it, I don't know. I don't follow the NBA load management all that closely, but it definitely feels like it's more of a rest thing when it comes to the NBA, whereas in the NHL, it's more of a, a health thing. Like you said, he's dinged up. 
And I can see it. I can see it when he skates. He's kind of skating with a little bit of a limp. He's not exactly hiding it. And he might be trying to, but the other day after he was doing his flyby after he scored and he's skating by the bench, you could definitely kind of tell he's favoring one leg more than the other. And that's just me speculating. I love to do it. I love to look too far into things. But he is a little banged up. We know how good this team was earlier in the season when he was out. That's when the win streak really began for them, right? The one that they kind of rode into January. So having, again, that luxury of knowing, hey, I mean, Jared Bednar is such a numbers guy, right? He loves to refer to the stats. He loves to refer to history. He looks back at what his team did without Nathan McKinnon. He says, this team is perfectly capable of winning NHL games without Nathan McKinnon. If Nathan McKinnon is banged up and needs a little bit of a rest, why not kind of treat it like your starting goalie and say, hey, it's just Detroit. Let's give him a rest off here or a night off and a rest and let him kind of try his best to recuperate this lingering injury here. Let me put a cherry on top of what you just said. Nathan McKinnon has missed 15 games. The Avalanche are 12, 2, and 1. I rest my case. You're spot on. I mean, yes, it is a little bit different than be, than the NBA because in the NBA, it is more of rest. But in the NHL, look, the way Jared Bednar said it is exactly what it is. Guys are always dinged up. There's no such thing as an NHL player who feels fine game one to game 82. Like I go out for runs three days a week and I'm a little dinged up on days two and three. Nobody's touching me. I'm not getting hit into the boards by these big <laughs> grizzling men on skates. I'm not practicing three times a week and doing four morning skates and playing four games and just being exhausted, sitting on the massage table, trying to stretch, trying to do all these things. And even I feel a little dinged up. Again, professional athletes are a whole different kind of human, but you're never fully healthy. That's just the reality of, of, of this sport. So load management, you know, not the same way as the NBA, but in a sense, you know, again, if this was the playoffs, he certainly wouldn't be sitting but because it's the regular season, we're going to go ahead and sit you. And that's, that's what you see in the NBA. You know, as, as much as people want to laugh at NBA players for taking days off, um, in 2019, the last year before COVID, and I used him as an example earlier, the Toronto Raptors traded for Kawhi Leonard. He sat 10, 15, 20 games in the regular season in the playoffs. He was a dominant force and they won. They won the NBA championship for the first time in their history. And Kawhi was far and away the best player in the playoffs. He's not going to sit playoff games, but he will in the regular season. Whether he's dinged up or not, Nathan McKinnon's not going to sit playoff games, but he can and has that luxury, like you said, with this team in the regular season. So it's the same as the NBA with a little bit of a hockey twist and that hockey twist being guys are always hurt, man. That's, that's just the way it works. And we've all been there, whether it's school or work, you wake up one day and you're just like, you know, what? I don't feel like going today. I'm just not going to go. And in Nathan McKinnon's case, it's a lot different because it's an injury here and not just him saying, ah, I'm not, not feeling it today. But you also have to remember what he's been through in the last couple of years, in and out of COVID, in and out of injuries, breaks his face on his own stick, gets a concussion. I mean, he's had a lot of ups and downs and a lot more downs than you'd like to see. So, you know, you, you got to just be able to cut a guy some slack here. And when the Avalanche can absolutely afford to do so, then... Let him enjoy the game from the press box with a hot green tea, sprinkle in a little bit of honey, and let him just have a night off. I'm okay with it. Yeah, let him sit next to Joe Sackick in the press box like he, he often does when he misses games and, you know, learn from the guy that was once a player and is now in management. And, you know, Nathan McKinnon's a hockey freak. You know he's going to be in management someday. So just kind of continue that cycle, you know? Yeah, 
yeah, and, you know, let's keep seeing these goals. It's obviously working the way they've been managing him and the way they've been working with him and kind of, I guess, you know, because you know it's an open discussion with Jared Bednar. You know there's constant communication. How are you feeling? What are you thinking? What do you want to do today? What do you want to focus on for the team? And uh, I think he's just flourishing right now, and we're seeing it produce goals even though he's not 100%, which is obvious. So, um, yeah, let's keep on plugging away, and as long as it's producing wins, I'm happy. With that, let's get to the captain. I mean, he's been playing some amazing hockey lately, right? He had five goals in two games. Didn't really get any points against Vegas, and by really, I mean not at all. But five goals in two games, getting that hat trick against Winnipeg, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of doing it the hard way. I love how many deflection goals that he's been scoring. Not only him, Nathan McKinnon had one in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. That Winnipeg game was just full of deflection goals. It was nuts. They were they were just all over the Jets. The Jets could not breathe any bit of life. Um, let's go back to January 6th before we talk about the most recent game. January 6th, Ball Arena, Winnipeg Jets at Colorado Avalanche. The Jets scored the first goal and take a one nothing lead. And then Gabe Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon go apeshit crazy. Gabe Landeskog scores a hat trick. Nathan McKinnon has five assists and the Avalanche defeat the Winnipeg Jets 7-1. Fast forward to this past Saturday. Winnipeg Jets score not the first goal, but the first three goals. And then Gabe Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon go apeshit, combined for five goals. The Avalanche scores six straight goals. Gabe Landeskog gets his second hat trick of the season against the Winnipeg Jets, fifth of his career. Nathan McKinnon gets just his second two-goal game of the season, which is crazy to think. And the Avalanche defeat the Winnipeg Jets 6-3 to at Ball Arena once again. I don't know what it is about the Jets and Connor Hellebuck, but Gabe Landeskog's got that man's number. It's just a testament to how special this current team is right now and this window, right? I mean, I saw him get that hat trick, and then I hear the stat that this is his fifth career hat trick, but second this season just shows you what kind of team they're working with right now and what kind of year each individual player is having, and it just makes me think, man, this would be such a travesty if this team doesn't get it done because they have the exact recipe. Everything's going so well. Everything's been so fun. This team has been awesome to watch. It's been awesome to cover. They can't let us down now. They just can't let us down this year. It can't happen. It's And they feel the same way. I mean, the step they've taken. So it's it's been an evolution, man. 2017-18, they trade Matt Duchesne. They're this team that nobody really realizes is any good. They win 10 straight games in January on the back of Jonathan Bernier. And everything changes. The rest is history. Philip Grubauer goes on this crazy run. They make the playoffs. They give Nashville their own. They lose in six. The very next year, they barely squeak into the playoffs. They get shut out by the Calgary Flames and good old Mike Smith in game one. And then they win four straight games and they take the San Jose Sharks to seven. And now this team means business. They trade for Nazem Kadri. They trade for Burakovsky. They sign Donskoy. They sign this kid named Val Nachushkin for a league minimum contract. They make all these moves. Varley moves on. Gruby's the guy. Pavel Francouz comes in as the backup. And they are one of the NHL's best in 2019-20. But they're still young. They're raw. This team's never seen playoff success. They don't really know what it takes. They lose in the second round to Dallas in the bubble. They come in the very next year. They look a little bit better, a little more mature. They lose to the Vegas Golden Knights in the second round. They come in this year. They look a lot better and a lot more mature. 
and they mean business. And we've talked about Gabe Landeskog's press conference after the Montreal game. We talked about Jared Bednar's very first press conference at training camp when he mentioned leaning on John Cooper and learning from John Cooper and just kind of studying and being just addicted to hockey the entire summer when he should be spending time off. His brain was churning. How do I get this team to the next level? And then guys like Jack Johnson come in and buy in. Guys like Darren Helm buy in. Logan O'Connor takes the next step. Everything comes together for this team this year, and they just mean business. What you're seeing from other young teams like the Florida Panthers is what you saw from the Avalanche a year or two ago. They're young, they're full of talent, they're full of life, but they've never really seen it. The two teams that stick out to me now that have been growing and building for the last three, four years into what they are today are the two teams at the top of the standings, the Colorado Avalanche and the Carolina Hurricanes. These are two guys that have seen failure, have seen what it takes to get eliminated, have seen what it takes to get to the second and for the Carolina Hurricanes, the third round. And now they mean business and now they mean, you know, business. Now they're ready to go for a long run. And this has got to be the year for this team. And what they do at the trade deadline is going to reflect on that. You're going to see Joe Sackick sell off a lot more than he has in the past bring in bigger names than he has in the past because this is the year to go all in. It's not the only year you can win, but it is definitely the year to go all in. Yeah, I like what you pointed out with those two teams. I mean, those are definitely examples of trusting the process, right? And with the idea of being all business, I mean, you and I have hammered into the ground the mindset of this team, right? We've beat it to death that this, this guys are serious. It's a different energy about them. And with that, after the Winnipeg game, you heard a comment from Gabe Landeskog that I really liked and is just a testament to how much we've beaten this mindset into the ground, right? He, t- he talked about how he loved the response from his group. And I like, how, I, first of all, I like that he called it my group, right? That was, I, I just like the way he takes control of it. But what he really said is that yeah. he didn't have to say much between the first and second period, that there were other guys taking the reins, other guys being vocal, other guys leading the charge of saying, what the hell are we doing? Let's figure this out, fix this, and come and win this game. And again, I, I just love hearing stuff like that because it just speaks to how healthy that locker room is, how healthy the communication between leadership and coach, leadership and other players, the the depth guys between each other, right? I mean, that just seems to be a complete synergy within that group that is unmatched from any team that we've really seen in the past, including around the NHL, not just in Colorado. It really feels like this is a team we haven't seen this cohesive in a long time in the league. What I love most about what Gabe Landeskog is doing this year is he is the absolute greatest example of separating the money from the game. It's okay to get paid and it's okay to be the leader and it's okay to do both because oftentimes in your late twenties, when you see a player get that big contract, they start to tail off. You know, they've played 10 or 12 years. Their body is beat down. They slowly start to trend in the wrong direction. But what we're seeing from Gabe Landeskog this year is a guy who's primed to get his first 80 point season, primed to get his first 40 goal season, primed to lead this team all the way to the Stanley Cup. And what he's doing is saying, hey, yeah, I signed an eight year deal for seven million. And I read the tweets and I read the stories and I heard the comments that everybody had in the summer about how this was a bad contract. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to flush that out. I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to ignore it. And I'm going to take a next step in my career. And to see that for somebody in the first year of his new deal 
and not somebody on the last year of his previous contract is so refreshing. And no, that was not a shot at Nazem Kadri. He's just the stars aligned for him this year. But Gabe Landeskog last year wasn't even a point per game player. He had 52 in 54 games. And what he's doing this year is, is next level. But it's not just his on ice performance, it's his leadership, the way he's handling the press conferences, the way he's talking to us, the way he's leading this team and communicating with the coach. Jared Bednar and Gabe Landeskog have an amazing and outstanding relationship. And it's why this team is as healthy and great as they are. It starts with the top and it starts with 92. A hundred percent. I mean, you can't have the kind of, I guess, success that they're having without everything clicking the way they are right now, right? You can't have the luxury of trying different things, experimenting different things, throwing different twists on the power play that may or may not work unless you have amazing communication and just everybody being on the t same page throughout and you know that's not easy to do it sounds a lot sounds a lot easier than it really is right getting 25 guys on the same page it's, it's just not as easy especially when there is from different backgrounds as they are in the nhl so um yeah nothing but just awe if, of from what i'm seeing from the captain and just the uh, overall mentality of the group and and everything about it kind of stems from the fact that this team needed to learn from what happened in the past. And, and, you know, it's, it starts with 92. It starts with Jared Bednar. And we've been talking a lot about them too. And the progressive things that they've taken, the progressive approaches that they've taken to this season. And it filters down the group, every single guy, you can see a bit of a different mindset, a different attitude. And I mean, there's, there's nothing more I could say, you know, you and I recorded a podcast on Tuesday right before the Red Wings game. And we were talking about how the Boston Bruins blew this team out of the water. And that feels like yesterday, like not a lot of time passed, but you blink twice and you check the standings. And you're like, wait, the Avalanche have won three straight games in four nights in three different cities. And they did it by scoring five, six and three goals against Vegas on the road. Like they, they, they just recover really quickly. Something about this team is so different that I've said it all season and I'll say it again we're not sitting back and appreciating just how incredible this has gone. What they're doing right now is so far different than what we've seen pretty much from most, if not all teams since the NHL lockout in 0405, since the cap era started. hundred percent, hundred percent. So I guess this is a good time for a quick word from our friends at total beverage. Everybody knows total beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure. Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know that they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see it for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and also drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. And when you go there, get an extra drink for me because I don't drink, but I still love my people at Total Beverage. And there you go. There you go. You know what's been a really big thing in society lately? You know, I think a ton of people are starting to jump off the drinking train, right? People are starting to realize, like, man, this is really unhealthy for me. I, I need to cut back on this stuff. And I've seen a growth in popularity of non-alcoholic cocktails. Huh. Interesting, right? I don't know what the point would be. Like, I'd rather just have a chocolate milk or a smoothie or something delicious. But if you need to fake that you're drinking, then then why not? I'm sure if Total we, Beverage has them. If we can share the face of Sir Patrick while you were saying all that, 
with the audience, it would be the same exact look as every single one of our listeners. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Except for maybe like the one guy who's like, yeah, that's for me. I don't drink too, Arif. Let's go get a non-alcoholic chocolate milk together or something. (laughs) (laughs) What's the point? Most people are asking, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I'm all for cutting back on the alcohol for sure. I think, I think it's poison, but I still tend to do it here and there, but that's neither here nor there. So let's move hey. on, Arif, <laughs> and uh, get to a couple more players here. Not much left in the podcast in terms of meat and potatoes. So um, I think Pavel Francouz is worth mentioning, though, right? It had been a while since we'd seen him play some games, and then all of a sudden he gets two back-to-back starts and two wins. I wouldn't say they were exactly amazing performances, but I want to call them durable. I think that's the perfect adjective to say uh, to explain his last two starts because he was making the saves necessary. He let in some goals that, you know, you might like to have him save. You'd, like, you'd also like to have some more support from the defense on a few of them, but he made it work. He fought back. Again, he was resilient, persevered, picked himself up by the bootstraps, and found ways to get things done, right? Even in Detroit, there was a second there where it felt like Detroit had momentum. They were pushing, and Francis held them off, and then he was backed up by the Avs offense, who eventually put away uh, another goal to seal the win. But, uh, you know, you look at Winnipeg, too, down 3 nothing. That's really demoralizing for a goaltender. But he was in that locker room. He felt the energy from his teammates, and he's like, all right, guys, we got this. If, if you guys are feeling that way, I've got your back, and I'm not going to let anything uh, bad happen to us. You get us back in this. What's been the theme of this podcast? Different options. Bingo. And how nice is it? You play you play Darcy Kemper seven of eight games, and then you go, oh, yeah, our, our backup goalie's pretty damn good. Let's get him in there for a couple and rest Kemper until we play Vegas. You know, we're very sorry you had to face 50 shots against the Boston Bruins, and five of them went in. And, you know, we're very sorry that... We didn't give you the support you needed. Granted, some of those goals against Boston were bad. I'm not. I'm not completely letting Darcy off the hook. But let's we're give sorry. you. A, yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> I love that episode. Um, you give him two sorry. days off. <laughs> you give him two days off, and then he comes back against Vegas, and he does. He gets the job done. But we're not here to talk about Darcy. We're talking about those two games that he got off, and Pavel Francouz held his own. This is exactly what it means. This is this is one of the things that are different from last year. The Avalanche have two options. Like, God bless Philip Grubauer. I know his season is just going down the shitter this year. But, man, what he did last year, he earned that contract. He really, truly did. Because this team lived and died on the on the on basically the blocker and the pads of one Philip Grubauer. They didn't have another option. They didn't have different options. Jonas Johansson was a stopgap. Devin Dubnik was, you know, a, 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 like literally like just grasping for air, trying to get anything in here, anybody in here that's not Jonas Johansson or Hunter Miska. Like it wasn't a real backup option. But you have that now. And what Pavel Francouz can provide is exactly that. You know, against the Red Wings, he held his own. I will say one of those goals against the Red Wings, I'm not going to blame him even a little bit. Because Morvitz Sider passed the puck off of the pad of Pavel Francouz, and it was 100% on purpose because that kid is a beast. But against the Winnipeg Jets, yeah, he wasn't strong. He wasn't strong early. There was a couple goals there where you didn't want to see him let him in. But then as soon as the Avalanche started to get their act together, just like he did against the Toronto Maple Leafs when he came in relief for Darcy Kemper, he did what he had to do to make sure the Jets don't get on the board. 
because you know it was three nothing. Then it was three to one. If the Jets gets one, it's four to one, and it's gonna you know suck the life out of the air of the Avalanche. Suck suck the life out of the air. Suck the air <laughs> out of the life of the Avalanche. But he didn't do that. He let them make it three two, three three, four three, five three, and he didn't let in another goal. So. Again, it goes back to the theme here. They have different options, and what Pavel did was provide that. Yeah, he let in a you know quite a few goals, three here, and then you know two against the Red Wings. But he went two and zero, oh and the Avalanche scored more than they gave up. I mean, feel free to disagree, but I feel like that's who Francouz is. I mean, he's really a consistent guy. But you know what you're going to get out of him. Every once in a while, he gives you an amazing performance. But overall, he gives you just above par i would say right he's he's there he he plays well but a couple goals squeak in the avalanche kind of have to fight back and it's not exactly an easy i guess you know downhill win for colorado he he fights hard he has to cuz he's he's a smaller goalie but he's consistent he gives you the same effort the same results every night and every once in a while he catches fire and just has a a, a baller night and and that's what you want from a backup goalie who's going to mm-hmm. be pretty much your one B option. You know he's not I would a guy say that's it's gonna, even more. Than- yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. You know this is a guy that you know we we heard his comments last month when he said my family loves it here, I love it here, and I wish to stay here. But what if another team comes knocking? They're like, hey, dude, you're pretty damn good in Denver. Let's give you a lot of money. Like he's going to earn that because he has been more than just a backup since he got here. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, moving on, you mentioned Burakovsky at the top of the show. It was really kind of just a quick flyby. Let's take a quick second to properly acknowledge the way he's been playing the last couple of games. Of course, it helps getting moved in the line. And, uh, you know, it, it's just funny how streaky he is, right? It's just it, he's this maybe the streakiest player we've ever seen. In 20 years, when we look back and we talk about streaky players, I'm always going to bring up Andre Burakovsky because he just... It's so hit or miss, but right now we're catching him in a good swing. So let's see how many games he can extend this for. Yeah, I mean, two straight games with a goal and just a laser of a shot against the against the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday. Just an incredible goal. Um, just Andre you know, Burakovsky fashion. Very Andre Burakovsky like. And I'm going to read this tweet, and I know it sounds dirty because you know I'm I'm kind of happy that not a lot of people, you know, hit me with a, that sounds dirty or, you know, hashtag hockey porn, but Nathan McKinnon on Andre Burakovsky, he's finding his scoring touch again. He can get really hot when he gets going. <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter, JJ, but it's genuinely true. When this guy gets going, he scores a lot of goals. We saw him score a hat trick against the Florida Panthers playing on the top line, by the way, we saw him come back to the top line and score two big goals in two games. And this is a guy that went 17 consecutive games without a goal, but this is what he brings when he's scoring. He is an effective player. When he's not scoring, you're working to get him going again. And, you know, Jared moved him up and down the lineup quite a few times even played him on the fourth line at times saying that he wasn't our best option today. And it was the truth, but Andre's a professional. He worked through it and two goals in two games and an incredible shot against Vegas. He is an incredibly streaky scorer, but he's also damn good when he does score. And raising his stock, maybe right at the right time that we need him to, right? Right before trade deadline here. Hey, look how many goals you never Andre's know. been scoring. You never um, and- know. Last thing I want to talk about with Andre Burakovsky is can we please stop talking about his goddamn haircut? Oh, my like, Lord. Who the hell cares? Give me a break. I've seen way too many references on it, like a bunch of 17-year-old girls. Like, let's let's be real here. This is hockey. Who, who cares about his haircut? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry to I, poo-poo on that parade. I, I, I'm sorry to say that I was one of those 17-year-old girls, too. I, I apologize. 
And shame, <laughs> shame on the media member that asked him the question about it. Like, like, what's he gonna say? Yeah, thank God I got my haircut. It's really making me faster, and you know that's the reason I got it. <laughs> that's why my release haircut, is better. I would not have scored. Yeah, like, come on, give me a freaking break. What I love is where you know you're. You're, you're out here bashing me and the media and everybody that's like, oh my God, the haircut. But the funny thing is, like, Andre was telling the truth with his response. Yeah, in the locker room, everybody keeps saying it to me. Hey, Andre, you cut your hair. These guys are between the ages of, what, 23, Kale <laughs> McCarr, 22, Sam Gerrard, to Eric Johnson, who's probably, you know, 34, but feels like he's older than my grandpa. And they're all just like, yeah, he got a haircut and he started scoring. This must be the reason why we're all we're all immature we we all laugh at the stupidest things and you know i hope i hope he hit him with the uh, classic i got all of them cut hey. yeah. did you get a haircut no i got a mole cut <laughs> uh let's see let me look through our notes here we've covered a lot of it i think one guy we really got to touch on is darren helm oh, right in his yes. return to detroit i yes. thought that was a little bit emotional and for him to come out and play the way he did was awesome gets an assist on the very first goal you wish it would have been a goal but hey to see him get an apple on something that's not a shorthanded goal, uh, you love to see it, and especially in his home, well, not his hometown, but what he is going to eventually make his hometown. Yeah, so after the morning skate in Detroit, so one of the cool things that happens on the road is you get to request players for one-on-one interviews, and I asked for Darren Helm, and I spoke to him one-on-one, and he was getting emotional during that interview. So just him and I, me holding a tape recorder up, you know, my phone up to his face to record him. Wow. And uh, yeah, I know, right? Days. In a post-COVID world, yeah, that 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 was my first one in, in, you know, almost two years now. And it just, it felt so refreshing. I need to get on the road more, damn it. Um, so I asked him about his return. And when I asked him about the potential of, you know, we're probably going to see some kind of a tribute to you. He started to get choked up answering the question talking about Detroit, talking about what this franchise has meant to him, what the fan base has meant to him. He made a little joke about how like he didn't really know his way around the building to get to the way dressing room. And you know, it's, it's a funny thing, but also little Caesars arena has only been around for like five years. So it's not like he spent his entire 13, 14 years there, but you just knew it was special to him. His two daughters and his wife flew out for the game and, uh, in a very anti Mike Babcock move, you know, the coach that he, played for for so many years Jared Bednar started him on the very first line for the very first shift of the game and he responded pretty damn well so a little bit of a side note you know I got I got to beat your 65 seconds straight of talking a little bit <laughs> oh, of you a already side have note. a couple times tonight oh 100 I know I, I'm, <laughs> I I got my eye on the ticker too um I had my brother and his wife and a couple of my friends in the crowd for that Detroit game and I went down at the first intermission to say hi to a couple of my friends. And one of my buddies, a Red Wing fan, looks at me and goes, I knew from the very first shift that the Red Wings were fucked. He's like, what the Avalanche did, they won the faceoff, they got it in the zone, and they literally cycled for a minute and 12 seconds and scored. He was like, that was the most dominating thing I've seen since the days of Datsuk and Zetterberg. And I'm like, yeah. And they did it with Darren Helm playing that shift. They didn't do it with their full power top line. They gave Darren Helm the shift and he gets an assist. And then a couple minutes later, he gets that interview or not the interview. He gets the tribute and you can genuinely see him choking up. And it was really, really cool. He's on the jumbotron. He's choking up. He's trying to hold it together. And then they cut to his family, his wife and his two daughters, his two daughters wearing little Darren Helm avalanche jerseys sitting in the press box with the other Red Wings wives and families. 
surrounded by Red Wings jerseys. And something about it just felt full circle. Because if you had said 20 years ago that a full house at the new Red Wings arena would cheer and have a standing ovation for a guy in an avalanche jersey, you would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? That's never going to happen. But it happened for Darren Helm, and and it kind of brought everything together. It kind of reminded me of when Claude Lemieux and Darren and uh, Darren McCarty got together and did that interview with Michael Landsberg, talking about fight night at the Joe, and you know the whole turtle scene and all that stuff, and talking about how 15, 20 years later they're best of friends now. It kind of gave me a feeling of that. Something about it was so full circle and so incredible. And, and, you know, kudos to Darren Helm, man. He was soaking it in. And you just know this guy, his heart is in Detroit, but he wants nothing more than to win that cup with the Avs and then say, all right, I'm going to move back to Michigan. My, how the times have changed, right? And let's not forget Alex Tange is back on that bench somewhere working on yeah. Red Wings power play and stuff. So, yep. um, yeah. Just Saw him. He was... Scene. He was posted up by the Avalanche locker room when I was talking to Darren Helm. He was in the background chatting with uh, a couple of the Avalanche's coaching staff and Brendan McNicholas and guys like that. So he was he was there. It was just so weird. Alex Tange is an assistant coach of the Red Wings. It's just it's funny to say it out loud. Yeah, but you still like the the rivalry does still live on in a sense, right? Uh, Yeah, Peter. You saw Peter Ball post the picture of all these awesome paintings, and all it was was comments on everybody saying how it made them feel sick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, it it does live on. They still, they did this thing. So when I used to go to games at the Joe Louis arena, they would always show a replay of Darren McCarty going after Claude Lemieux. What they did this time was they showed this like street fighter esque, really, really pixelated game that showed a Red Wings guy and an avalanche guy with, you know, the two health bars at the top, kind of like street fighter is and, or like Tekken, those old fighting games, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, yeah, very 2D, just a couple of pixelated guys. And you see this Red Wing guy like punching, you know, the Avalanche guys punching him and he's punching back. And then you see the Avalanche guy's meter go lower and lower and lower. And at the top, it says McCarty and it says Lemieux. And then you see McCarty, you see McCarty getting these punches at Lemieux and Lemieux's character goes to zero health and he topples over. And then the camera switches to the other side and it's a picture of Darren McCarty holding a Super Nintendo remote going, yes. It was just like they always have to do something with that game and with that fight and with that night. And and it was cool because Darren McCarty was at that game. And uh, one of my favorite things that what happened during that game was Peter Baugh talked to Darren McCarty. And if you have a subscription to The Athletic, go read the story. He talked to Darren McCarty and his lead to the story is Darren Helm did the unthinkable. He got Darren McCarty to admit that he's rooting for the avalanche for one night. Because they were such close friends and he, you know, took Darren Helm under his wing when he was a rookie. And again, it goes back to that full circle thing. Darren McCarty was there to watch and support his friend, number 43 for the Avalanche. I love that. That's a fascinating story. That's great stuff. I'm glad you were there and just shows you the value of being in locker rooms and being around the situations and not being limited to just press conferences, right? You get to observe, you get to get the feelings, you get to get the energies of different people. And uh, no, those are awesome stories. So, uh, you know, I really wanted your night covering the Red Wings to take place of our three stars tonight because I knew you'd have an awesome story like that. And you did not disappoint, Adif. Thank you so very much. <laughs> it was it was, it was was a great game and it was, it was a lot of fun. And I... Definitely recommend anybody who wants to see 
you know, different arenas to maybe wait for the Red Wings to get a little bit better. So the crowd's a little more into it. Um, Cause you know, we, we know how ball arena slash Pepsi center was in like 16, 17 and when they sucked, but Little Caesars Arena is an incredible facility. Um, so it's worth checking out. Let's give it a couple years for the Red Wings to get good. And I urge Avalanche fans that have the, you know, the time and the money to travel to go check out a game at Little Caesars. It's a really great place. You too, JJ. Join me next year. We'll go cover that game together. Eh, we'll see. <laughs> oh, look at this guy. I've been to Detroit. He's, it's, he's, uh, <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> oh, I'm going to kick his ass through Skype. <laughs> Oh, well, looking ahead, um, got three games this week, right? We got the struggling New York Islanders in town on Tuesday at Ball Arena. They're right now, as we speak, up 2 nothing in Anaheim as the second period winds down. And then we got Arizona, which should be an easy game. A little bit of revenge from the last time. Uh, the, and, then, and then the game we've all been waiting for for a while, right? This one's going to be a good one. Can't wait to see the Calgary Flames in town here in Denver on Saturday. That's going to be a good one because Flames are hot. Flames are one of the teams to really keep an eye on lately one of the one of my favorite teams to watch right now they're just fun they're exciting they're fast and uh you know you know they still have that um 8-1 upset from the playoffs a couple years ago in the back of their mind yeah the avalanche i mean the calgary flames were what they were this year the best team in the pacific division then right the avalanche defeated them in five games flipped the script they really did um what we're gonna see from that game is a team that Daryl Sutter has his fingerprints on. This is a guy that, you know, suffocated the opposition when he was coach of the LA Kings. And before that, the Calgary Flames, obviously where he's back to now, and his players have bought in. You know, Johnny Goudreau is incredible right now. He's right up there with Nazem Kadri, top 10 in the NHL in points, because he's bought into Daryl Sutter's style of game. And what I'm going to take from this game is an ability to see what Jared Bednar has learned because this is a coach that's different than the type of coaches he's faced in the past. This is a guy that can really suffocate the life out of a young coach and the game that he plays like Jared Bednar. And I want to see what Jared learns from this game. Even if the avalanche lose what he learns from it and takes into the next time they play Calgary and potentially face them in the playoffs, because this might be the team that you have to face. Obviously the last time you faced them, this guy wasn't the head coach. He is now. So it's going to be a big learning moment for the Avs. For Daryl, uh, sorry, for Jared Bednar going up against an experienced coach like Daryl Sutter that's won quite a few Stanley Cups and been to many more finals. And it's an 8 p.m. start locally, second of the uh, doubleheader on Hockey Night in Canada. A lot of eyes are going to be on this game, and I'm super excited to see how the Avalanche, Jared Bednar, just the entire operation around what this team is doing right now, how they respond against the Calgary Flames team that won 10 straight, got blown out by Vancouver, and is now you know, won their last game and is pretty much running all over this Pacific division. They've taken over Vegas. They've taken over everybody and, and they're the team to beat right now in the Pacific. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch how that Pacific division unfolds with Calgary right now has a firm grasp on it. LA right behind them and then Vegas right behind them. But Eric, if we have another podcast to do this week, let's not burn all of our material for that Calgary game before we even get to our podcast that's going to be focused on Calgary. JJ, if what? there's anything you should know, it's I never run out of things to say. We're good. All right, well, I'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, we'll have two games to cover here, probably two more wins, so wins on wins on wins. That's all it's been about, but we'll see what kind of options and experiments and, uh, you know, things that Jared Benner wants to tinker with here in the, in the upcoming two because it's a solid opportunity to tinker. Yeah. 
Right on. Well, I guess that being said, let's get out of here. Let's let people get along, get on with their weeks and uh, stop listening to us too. Um, so that being said, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Right here, Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast. Don't forget to check out the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey West Regional Championship. That's going to be so fun up in Loveland. And of course, you're going to have to pregame for that, right? You're going to go to the parking lot. You're going to tailgate. Stop at Total Beverage on your way up. Get yourself equipped. <laughs> Um, other than that, we'll be back later this week. Thanks for hanging out with us right here for Arif. I'm JJ. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. Let's make hockey for everyone, and we out you.